I'm one of those people that thinks, you know, you should probably be making a lot of small mistakes. If you're not making mistakes somewhat frequently, you're, you're probably not doing enough. You're probably not pushing yourself outside your comfort zone enough, or you're probably not moving fast enough. One of those things or multiple of those things. Usually in my experience and from what I've heard from other successful entrepreneurs, like you got to really get some traction going on. You got to know not only, yes, this is for sure a pain point for people, but is it a pain point people are going to like swipe their credit card for? You got to think, are people going to pull out their wallets and put their credit card information into your site and give you money for, for what you're, you're offering? My name is Joe Howard. I'm the founder and CEO of WP Buffs. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today how Joe Howard decided to build a productized service for supporting your WordPress sites. All this and more on Code Story. Joe Howard is originally from Washington, D.C. He did his undergrad outside of Philly, then quickly moved back to the D.C. area. He's married with a young family, and most of his outside of work time is dedicated to family and traveling to interesting places when the pandemic allows. He likes to try and keep himself disciplined with his day-to-day calendar through exercise, reading, team growth, and family focus, and he uses a Pomodoro journal, off and on, to help him keep organized and blocking his time. He's the host of the WPMRR podcast on which he focuses on increasing monthly recurring revenue. I'd recommend checking it out. Joe started out as a WordPress freelancer, but found it was hard to scale building websites. However, what he knew was the fact that there were a lot of WordPress sites out there and they needed grade A support. This is the creation story of WP Buffs. We manage WordPress websites. So our product is really a productized service. The core of what we do, we're a services company. We sell ongoing subscriptions in the form of care plans so that somebody runs a WordPress website, they realize, oh, I gotta handle all my security and my website speed and performance. I gotta manage all the plugin and theme updates. I gotta make edits to 10 pages all the time. I gotta update my WooCommerce store, all this stuff. That's where WP Apps comes in, grab a subscription and we do 24 seven support. And then we also do a uh, white label program. So we work with some agencies, freelancers, and, and WordPress professionals, and we kind of allow them to resell our care plan so they can offer 24-7 support to their clients, but it's also white label. So an agency can offer 24-7 support themselves, and then we'll kind of do all the uh, execution on the back end for them. They can just kind of plug and play into what we do. Like a lot of people who kind of start WordPress-related businesses, I started as a freelancer. You know, I was building websites for folks. I always found I couldn't really scale website building. It was hard for me. And once I got to like two or three websites at a time, I kind of got stuck and it was hard to like get past that point. And so I thought, well, there are already a lot of WordPress websites out there. I think it's, you know, 37%, 38% of the web is built on WordPress. So there's a lot of WordPress sites out there and a lot of them need ongoing support. So we kind of shifted into this different business model and that was about five years ago now or so. And yeah, here we are today. So tell me about, you said five years ago, you started this. Tell me about the first product, the MVP uh, or the first, you know, service offering, however you want to put that. Tell me about that first part of your business and how long did it take you to get it up and running and what sort of tools did you use to do that? 
Yeah, it was pretty quick to get up and running. And it was pretty lean to start off with. I mean, there were not a lot of costs uh, involved. Uh, we never raised money or anything like that. We have always been revenue-funded company. Probably started the business, you know, a few thousand dollars. Um, built a WordPress website. That software is free. And, you know, you have to pay for hosting. You have to pay for maybe some premium plugins. We just started off super simple. We had PayPal buttons on the website. People could just check out via PayPal. The funny thing about the first ever care plan we sold, we had some kind of basic stuff up on the website. Like I looked at some of the other people who did, you know, we're in the care plan business. And I said, okay, let's just like put some of the stuff up that they do. You know, we'll do the backups. We'll offer edits to the website. You know, we'll help with speed and security optimization. And then putting the website together, we, we got our first sale about a week or so after the landing page and the pricing page and everything was up and running. I said, oh shoot, like we got, I, I have to like put all this together now someone bought it someone's paying us for this so i guess i have to like now put it together so you know was scrambling around looking for you know the right backup plugin that we were going to use and okay i gotta you know hire some freelancers to come and help you know with the security optimization speed optimization stuff and it was kind of born out of a pretty quick start kind of like a no pressure no diamond situation it was like you know you, you someone bought this okay let's put everything in the back end together and kind of improve it as we went along and then once we got to you know five customers 10 customers it was much better organized after that but yeah it started pretty quick i love that phrase no pressure no diamond i'm stealing that one joe that's that's a good one you know, I'm not a big like NFL football fan. I'm more of a soccer guy. But growing up, I used to, you know, I'm from D.C., so I would follow the Washington football team. Uh, and, you know, it was a big deal when RG3 came to, to Washington. Everyone was super excited. And that was one of his phrases. He was, no pressure, no diamonds. And unfortunately, his, his career didn't turn out like we all hoped it had. But I still hold to that phrase. And I think it's a, I think it's a good one. Well, in those early days, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, but dig into it a little more. In the early days, what decisions and trade-offs did you have to make in the short term to basically get things up and running and working for those first customers? And and how did you cope with those decisions? I think a lot of companies, they start off and they think everything has to be perfect. And they think they have to have a great service off the bat. They think, you know, people have to love everything they do. And if not, then, you know, they're going to fail. And I think in, in some scenarios that may be true, there's some maybe some situations where you really want to have a really polished product before you put it out there in the world and start offering it to people. But I think probably if you're just starting a little something and offering it to people, it doesn't have to be great to start. I think probably 95% of cases you can start off with something decent and then grow from there. I mean, in terms of some of the trade-offs we made, our care plans were not great when we started. Like our 24-7 support was not great when we started, but we built it up over time. And I actually think this had an advantage since we didn't spend so much time trying to make a perfect product, we actually like came to the table with this MVP that people bought. And then they said, I see the value here, but like, Joe, it's not great yet. Like, why don't you try like X, Y, and Z? And so we were able to like start with a minimalist product and actually build what, what people wanted. That's why we offer premium plugins for free under our care plans now, because we had a lot of people asking for like real security on the website. Okay, let's partner with iTheme Security Pro and we'll offer that premium plugin that you'd have to buy otherwise for free under our care plans. Agencies and freelancers started coming to us and saying like, how do I sell care plans to my clients? Like I wanna learn from you. So we said, oh, well we should probably do like a white label program because that's pretty easy to plug into our, the operations we already have. So now we sell, are able to sell care plans to the clients of freelancers and, and agencies that we work with. And they are kind of like a part of our sales force as well. Yeah, started off pretty minimalist. 
but I think that that's a trade-off I'd probably make again. Um, I want to put something out in the world and let people toy around with it and play with it and uh, honestly like poke holes in it and find issues with it so that we can make it better and get it to the point of, okay, is this really something like people will pay for? You touched on this some too in product progression as far as, you know, you started adding premium plugins and additional sort of things into your care plans. How did you continue to progress the product from there? And how did you go about then and now building your roadmap of what is the most important thing next to offer your customers? I think probably the most important thing we did was implement a customer success team. Dean and Luis are our customer success team now. Uh, they're, you know, I guess, a small but mighty team of two. Dean's been with us for, I don't know, three years now, two or three years. Um, but he really was kind of the founder of the customer success team. That's had a really enormous impact in the work that we do. So their biggest goal is churn reduction. So they want to reduce churn as, as and make it as low as possible, meaning, you know, have as few people cancel their care plans as possible. You know, they're also trying to do things like hit net negative churn and, and try and make sure that people who are upgrading their accounts, like that's a that revenue boost is bigger than the amount of churn leaving the company. So net negative churn. With regards to getting feedback from clients, I mean, that's something they're doing all the time. You know, it's part of our workflow now. When someone leaves a review, you know, they leave a smiley face and they hey, say five stars, this is great. Or they say like uh, three stars. Oh, I wish this could have been done better. You know, we really have good procedures and systems in place so that, you know, Dean and Luis are, they're super focused on putting some manual action. And after that, really reaching out to folks, having conversations with people, you know, Dean shoots his Calendly link out to all of our white label partners and direct customers so that they can book calls with them. So he can really ask deep questions. And um, yeah, I mean, that does two things, right? It like helps us get really good feedback to add new features and gather information about what people need so we can build it out in the future. And then it also, it, it does directly help with churn reduction because, you know, a company that's managing your website, you need to really be able to trust that team. Like you handed over the keys to your website, which is like a really big deal. You want to be able to hop on a call with someone every once in a while uh, and have good, you know, reply and resolution time for tickets and that kind of stuff. But it helps in churn reduction as well. So Focusing on that pretty early was important and we kind of shifted. Dean used to be kind of like a support manager and he kind of like would manage the desk, not necessarily the technical aspects of the WordPress site, but just would be like managing the desk. We had a conversation one day and he said, I think like this needs to be more of a customer success sort of position because I think that's what we need to like really help our clients move their websites forward. Because at the end of the day, that's what we do. We manage WordPress, but we do everything to help them grow their, their website and grow digitally. So let's switch over to team. You mentioned a couple of your teammates as far as the customer support there and success managers. But how did you go about building your team? And I'm looking for what what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses? It's this is kind of a two-part question. Let me kind of tackle this by in, in those two pieces. First is like, how did I go about like knowing what positions we needed to hire for. The core of what we do is support, 24-7 support. So I knew I needed strong engineers when it came to WordPress, but also just strong support folks, like people who understood how to empathize with customers, how to be emailing with customers, because that's primar our primary mode of communication is, is email. So everybody has to be able to like really do a good job, you know, not just in the technical aspect, but also doing support. With regards to Kind of that, that second piece, which is, I guess, like, what are we looking for in new hires? We're always looking for humble, hungry, smart. Those are super important. We make sure we have our values front and center in all our job posts. 
We're looking for people who have the skill set needed for a position, but probably more importantly, we're looking for folks who are really flexible and who are really value-driven and passionate about what they do because we can teach someone the technical aspects of a job. You know, that's that's not a big problem or, or even a really big challenge. The challenge is getting the right people who are motivated We don't feel here that we're just managing WordPress websites. We're actually like big open source junkies. We're big supporters of of open source software and giving people the ability to publish what they want to online. We want to help democratize publishing. So let's flip over to scalability um, a little bit. Did you build this to scale efficiently in the beginning or were you fighting this as you grew? Was there any point where you're like, "Ah, I need more people or I need to change our systems? Um, Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think I'm still fighting this. I think we're still fighting this every day. It used to be more of a challenge than it is now. I think a lot of the question, I I get a lot of these questions myself, actually, like how do you scale doing WordPress support and 24-7 support and, and care plan stuff? And I tell people pretty honestly, you know, when we were managing 50 websites, we were not a super profitable company. We were usually break even around 50 sites. As we started to scale up, we hit better profitability. So once we hit, you know, 100, 200 sites, things got better. And, you know, now we're at multiple, multiple hundreds. And, you know, it continues to, to improve. We've grown pretty slow and steady over the lifespan of WP Buffs. You know, we had our two best months ever in May and June. And I think July was like our fourth biggest month ever. So in the past few months, we've definitely seen some some acceleration. But yeah. Scaling is hard, uh, especially around productized services because we're not a SaaS company. We can't do like 30-day free trials to drive free trials. Like everybody who comes and signs up with us has to be a paying customer because we're a services company. So we're trying to invest a lot in uh, in the right marketing. Well, you know, we kind of talked about this before, but the right people on the team to help, you know, push forward marketing, sales, and operations, bring it all together and, yeah, deliver a product that hopefully is really attractive to people and that we're setting the great expectations on the front end so that when people join up, they're really happy with what goes on with their websites. So as you step out on the balcony and look across all that you've built with WP Buffs, what are you most proud of? The thing I have to be most proud of is the team. It's been a wild ride for five years. You know, we recently hit a million dollars, you know, in ARR. So that was like a pretty big milestone for us. It's kind of like a random milestone at the end of the day, but it it does signify like we've made it to a certain point in the business. And and that's really cool. And with, you know, that increase in annual revenue, you know, we've been able to hire a lot of great people on the team. That's probably the thing I'm most proud of. It's like the ability for the business to support 25 or so people around the world, maybe 30 at this point be a really core part of the WordPress community as well. WordPress is open source software, so it means there's a big community around it. We have Allie on our team, who's our community manager. She's really uh, invested in the WordPress community, and so she helps us to do great work supporting open source software, giving as, as much back as, as possible to be able to continue to, to, to grow WordPress and get more people involved, help it become a more diverse space in the, in the whole techno- tech ecosystem, uh, stuff like that, yeah. So flipping the script a little bit, tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. Which one? Yeah, now I guess I have to pick a mistake now, but I'm one of those people that thinks, you know, you should probably be making a lot of small mistakes. If you're not making mistakes somewhat frequently, you're probably not doing enough. You're probably not pushing yourself outside your comfort zone enough, or you're probably not moving fast enough. One of those things or multiple of those things. If I think about particular mistakes on our end, probably one of the one of the bigger ones was trying to 
scale 24 seven support on our team. That's a, the reason a lot of people sign up with us is they get 24 seven support, no matter what time zone they're in, uh, someone will be on the help desk to help them with whatever they need on their website. Obviously for emergency support, we're there for that. We have a lot of automations in place for notifications when bad things happen. We're also there to make you know, adjustments and edits on people's websites uh, so that they can yeah, keep pushing things forward. And that was an area I think we made a lot of mistakes in. We tried a lot of different strategies on how to tackle 24-7 support. We tried being really rigid with like people signing in and signing off at certain times uh, and like really covering a certain time period and like always being online during that time period. And we, we tried to make it, I think, really rigid because we thought like we just need 24-7 coverage and we need to ensure that that's the case and that's how you do it. The solution to that, though, we actually found was that we made our schedule a little bit more lax. We actually kind of said, you know, people log in and log off um, more around your schedule and work around these times. But if you don't, if you're not here that whole time, it's fine. And we actually found that our support actually improved. We were able to decrease, you know, reply times and resolution times, just making things a little bit more relaxed. So it's kind of counterintuitive because you'd think like, oh, I got to make sure all my time's covered. But, you know, once you have a good number of people on the team logging in and the people you've hired are good people and they're dedicated to their to their jobs and doing a great job for their customers and, you know, being value oriented, things just work out if you give people a little bit more leeway. What does the future look like for your product and for your team? I think this is always a challenging question because I don't tend to think too far into the future. If I'm thinking like a year ahead or two years ahead, we're kind of reached this point to the business where we've started to gain a little bit of momentum. We have a little bit of money in the bank so we can invest a little bit more in personnel, a little bit more in you know marketing. We started a YouTube channel, so we're putting some good investments in that. So there's a few different areas I think we can really push forward on. Also, I think on the operations side, this is a time where, where probably, you know, this fall and winter, I'll get the leadership team together and we'll really start thinking about like, we've tackled subscription care plans. We do a very good job of that. What's the next step? How could we double our revenue next year? Is it just with care plans? Maybe, but I think there's also some other options. We get asked by people a lot for things we don't do. We don't really offer, you know, design services right now. We don't offer SEO services right now. Those are the two big things people, you know, want help with. They want help growing their website and business and they need some design support as well. I think that'll be a challenge for us because the reason we haven't implemented either of those is we don't want to dilute the thing we're really, really good at. We want to be incredible at one thing, not, you know, okay at two or three different things. And so this may be the time when we start thinking more seriously about how do we expand the business and help our current customer base do more and allow you know our offerings to expand our reach in the, in the WordPress space. Let's switch to you, Joe. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person you look up to and why. I always have trouble like naming a single person <laughs> for these kinds of things because I'm a, you know, a big member of the uh, uh, WordPress community and just like the remote worker ecosystem. I'm always following like a few different people in the WordPress space and it's hard to pick one one person, but like I do this podcast, which uh, you've actually been on recently, uh, but I do that usually with my co-host Christy. She's someone I, I guess I'm always talking about challenges with and, and how we can, you know, improve in our day to day, you know, jobs and, you know, the challenges of remote work and that kind of stuff. So I think uh, Christy Trinos is someone who I'm I'm usually pretty in tune with. 
if I'm thinking about someone who I, I guess like I look up to in terms of, you know, the, the work that I do and someone who's been where, I don't know, I guess I see myself moving in that direction. It's uh, the guy who used to run iThemes security and his name's Corey Miller. He's someone who I follow pretty closely. Yeah, he's just been on this like kind of incredible journey of uh, building a big business from kind of nothing. And I would like to follow in that path as well. So I'm always in, kind of in touch with him, seeing what he's up to, trying to pick his brain and all that. If you could go back to the beginning, Joe, what would you do differently or where would you consider taking a different approach with WP Buffs? I always hesitate to say I'd go back and change something because I'm, I think if, you know, if you change one little thing, it could change everything. You know, it's like this butterfly effect, right? It's like the butterfly flaps its wings on one side of the planet, the volcano explodes on the other. Like you don't have, you have no idea when you go back and can make any small change, anything can happen. And every mistake I've made has been a learning opportunity. So I don't know if I'd necessarily go back and change any, any mistakes like day-to-day stuff, but, um, I probably change a little bit about the time I put into the business. I think one thing that that's always been a challenge for me is like I'm at my desk right now, which is kind of in the corner of of like my family room. I probably am on my computer a little bit too much. Like whenever I kind of have a little bit of free time, like oh, I could go and do a little bit of work right now. You know, if I were to change something, I'd probably say continue to be more efficient in your work. Keep working smarter, not harder. You, you don't have to be putting in eight hours a day, 10 hours a day when you start something to see progress. Um, sometimes it helps to work hard. You know, I'm not saying that's not true. There may be weeks and maybe even months where you're working hard and along, you know, longer hours. I think looking back and I guess based on my experience, I think you should probably be be able to put in like four to six hours of work a day and see good progress. And if you're not, you may need to change something like in your business model or your pricing or something significant because like, I think people can build a business without working 10 hours a day. And at the, when I was starting off, I, I worked pretty hard and I put a lot of time in and, you know, again, I wouldn't take that back, but I'd probably like tap myself on the shoulder and say like, hey, you don't have to put this extra hour in. After 40 hours a week, you're, the time there are a lot of studies showing that the time you spend is, is not really affect success and, and it's not very effective time you're putting in, like your four, hours 40 through 60 especially. Uh, definitely 60 through 80 are just not very effective. Work, work smarter, I think I'd, I'd probably go back and try and do a little more of that. Well, last question, Joe. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing or created the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. They can't wait to show it to you. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? How do you know it's the next big thing if you haven't put it out in front of people yet? Usually in my in my experience and from what I've heard from other successful entrepreneurs, like you gotta really get some traction going on. You gotta know, hey, this is a pain point. Not only yes, this is for sure a pain point for people, but is it a pain point people are going to like swipe their credit card for? Um, you gotta think, are people gonna pull out their wallets and put their credit card information into your site and give you money for, for what you're you're offering? Of course there are examples of people who just like have a great idea, they put it out in the world, it blows up. Yes, that happens, but that's definitely the exception. And the rule much more closely follows. Someone has some sort of idea in their head and they build something pretty quickly and they put it out in the world and it turns out that thing's not right, but a few people paid for it and they said, oh, what about this, this, and this? And then it grows into something that you didn't even think that's what it was going to be. But what you have you know, a year later is not what you started with. And, and that's okay. That's usually what happens. 
I think if there was someone who I was on a plane with, I'd say, uh, you know, go out and set up that landing page, start gathering some email addresses, start getting people to do demos with you, jump on one-on-one calls, screen shares with people, trying to get credit card information and start really building the business side of things. The other quick thing I would say, I do this this thing when I'm on a plane where I always like to take the window seat and because uh, I really like looking out on the world. I think it's like really magical to be in a plane and like see the earth below you. Like I think a lot of people jump on planes. They don't really like appreciate that, but I always do and I always try to. And I always look down and I say like, okay, WP Buffs has like whatever, 600 customers right now. And I look down in the world and I'm like, 600 people could be in what I'm looking at right now down on the earth, like in this swatch of land, right? There are so many people out there in the world. So everybody can have a piece of this if you wanted to. And so that's, I would say look out the window too, because <laughs> you can see all your customers and, and then like, this is only a tiny, tiny piece of the, the world. Think about how many people out there, out there could buy your thing. And you know, it starts with the first one, but it could be millions someday, you never know. Well, Joe, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for being on Code Story and telling the creation story of WP Buffs. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Labhart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash code story for just five to ten bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.